Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. So what are we going to cover tonight? We're going to cover philosophy, Jamaican cooking, and how to survive university. And we're going to go on this incredible journey. Oh, 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 I know, I know. It's our new best mate, isn't it? It's Dreadyvet. It's Dreadyvet. <gasps> Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Yay. Hello. Hey. How are you guys? We're, we're, we're excellent, fella. We're great. Absolutely brilliant. Right. We've got a lot to cover tonight. We have. We have. You've got a hell Buckle of a story, down. dude. Through. But which, which story do we start on? I don't know. Which, Let's which... start on. Oh, oh, no, no. I know what to start on. Let's start on, on Bruno. Ah. All the way back. All the way back. You have recently qualified in, in yeah. recent terms in relation to the age of Julian and myself. As a vet in Bruno University in Czech Republic. Okay, so what what made you want to be a vet in the first place? So um, it's it's always very cliche, um, yeah. and I think I'm I'm no different to the majority of vets who, you know, at a very young age always had a, a kind of strong affinity to being around animals and and you know being that young, you never really have a conception of what it means to 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 be a vet. Um, I think often we're we're pigeonholed into you like animals, you should be a vet. This is a one-to-one fit. Um, and so I I was earmarked for being a vet at a very young uh, age because I was the only one in the family that really, you know, enjoyed being around animals. And that was particularly, we had cats growing up. Um, and then it was a variety of rescue dogs that my dad found in various places around Birmingham. Um, <laughs> not always to... Uh, uh, the most uh, enjoyment to my, you know, the, my mom at that particular time, bless her. And I, I was the person who would spend the most time with the animals in, in the house. And so, very early, I was I was always that kid who was happy to get his hands dirty and, and you know go to other people's houses. And, and I would, you know, birthday parties. I would be the one that sat by the cat and just sat in the corner minding my business. And mm-hmm. um, so that's where the the, the original affinity and drive came from but again when you're that young you have no idea what it means to be a vet you just like animals yeah and so yeah, I, I told everyone from the age of five i want to be a vet and i i hadn't even seen james harriet then and know what vets did other than they helped animals it's, yeah. it's, it's really it's really wild to think that at such a young age you can be so connected to something that you don't really have a conception of but i mean here we are and um and so it developed with that. And so as I grew older, I continued to really love animals. I continued to want to um, spend time with them. And, and I remember I had a, uh, we had a trip. Um, we managed to find a holiday on Teletext. So I remember it. <laughs> oh, good old Teletext. And you miss the page, don't you? You have to wait for it to cycle through again. It was, it was before lastminute.com and that whole debacle of, <laughs> of sitting on the computer and waiting. It, it was I remember sat, sat down in the living room and we were looking for a holiday and we had no idea where we were going and Teletex and I remember it came up and it was uh, holiday for four, £429 to Kenya. And wow. It, yeah. Wow. What? Imagine, on teletext, so you can imagine we, we were sat around, this is obviously something that we would do as a, as a family, we'd be on teletext. 
to try and find a holiday. And it was it was a really funny moment because it was it was such a it was such a nice opportunity for us to kind of guess where we're going. And they'd made my parents had done a very good job of making it into this this whole idea of you know uh, uh, a whole drawer about our holidays. So where are we going to go? Oh, maybe we're going to go to Brazil, or maybe and mm. so it ended up being Kenya. And so we were ringing away trying to to get this 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 holiday, and we ended up getting it. And the reason why this was so so important because it was my first time having a direct uh, uh connection with exotic animals um we actually went over christmas periods so it was pride christmas day in kenya wow and, uh, yeah amazing yeah in- incredible and uh, there's some pictures of me actually of me holding this giant monitor lizard i was about you know three foot possibly um and also this this python <laughs> and uh i i really that was a moment that i I've really treasured it's my first it's my first interaction with an exotic animal in any particular context. And on Christmas Day, um, it was just it was something that I was just I really, really enjoyed it. And mm. the funny thing is, is that me and my brother, who also went on a holiday, um, he is so naturally anti-animals. And so <laughs> whilst I was holding <laughs> this uh, this monitor lizard and stroking it my, it, my brother was concerned he was going to get TB. So he was in the toilets washing his hands with you know washing his whole body with a, a, a you know hand lotion to try and wash away the tv <laughs> in this monitor lizard so um yeah I, I think i think very early on my parents um were clear that i was an animal person and mm-hmm. they wanted to help cultivate this as best as they could and so as i got older um i started to have a better idea of what it meant to be a vet and what role this could look like you know, I, you start, I started to become interested in science and then you do then the GCSEs and, and, and you start to develop into a more rounded individual when it comes to what you wanted to, wanted to be. And the, the beauty of it is that I never wanted to be anything else at any particular point. It was always very much veterinary medicine. You ask anyone who knew me in primary school or in early secondary school, it was always Fabian wanted to be a vet. Um, mm-hmm. wow. And it was, it was very single-minded in that sense. Sixth form came around, and and we had got you know that was a that was an experience because it was just at the time I found it really difficult to become motivated because the science is here, but the actual application to animals felt very distant. And yeah, yeah. That particular yeah. yeah that particular junction was quite how, difficult for me to be honest with you. How how can learning Stokes law and the laws of viscosity apply to? Helping a dog, cat, or bearded lizard get better. Yeah, exactly. You know, every single thing about my process. Yeah, I'm a very practical person. It's very much how I learn. It's how I develop my um, connection to things. I like to see things visually and see the application. And the abstract nature of A level chemistry or A level physics, um, uh, and to a lesser extent, A level biology, was just a little bit uh, distant for me. Luckily enough, I managed to get the grades I, I wanted to get. Um, but then came the application process of getting mm-hmm. into vet uni. Straight off the bat, I had uh, a not so positive response. I had, I had one interview and three rejections. And, um, and you know, at the time, you know, that was when you, that's the only thing you ever wanted to be. That mm-hmm. initial response can be hugely demoralizing. And I had, you know, countless weeks of work experience and, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it it was such a competitive, it's always so competitive. You need to have, I've got 50 weeks of experience and I have 
400 weeks of grazing. I live on a farm. And, and yes. uh, I built a farm with a riding stable. <laughs> Literally. You know, I, I am the farm. No, but anyway. <laughs> I was going to say that. I am the farm. And if you look closely, you can see them all crawling around inside my beard here. Yeah. And, and so, so genuinely, you know, I've, I've done so much because I was so committed from such a young age. But to have that initial response of, you know, you're, you're just not quite what we're looking for. It was very quite demoralising. Um, mm. And then I had the opportunity to uh, effectively, it was the point when I applied when it was 3,000 to 9,000 pounds. And so people who traditionally would be going on a gap year or deferring decided they all wanted to go in that particular year. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I, I uh, effectively had an offer from a university, I will not name, but I was in, quote, 0.4% of the borderline that they didn't want to or couldn't accommodate for. Right. Um, by numbers. And so they came up with this particular scheme that they were applying this particular year where they said, if you do a kind of zoology or another course, an animal behavior course, you get a T1, then we'll, we'll have you for preferred candidacy, you know, in three years time. Mm-hmm. And again, as you can imagine, I was staring at this, this, this letter thinking I've spent my entire formative life <laughs> dedicating yep. to this particular process. And you're kind of half saying yes, and also half saying we'll yeah. see you in three years. They're dangling this little stick on me. I, I, I wonder, I, I've got a feeling here that you you have had the openness and honesty to actually say that, because I've got a feeling, we've met a few people over the years, haven't we, Julian, where mm. they have, the, the veterinary degree has been a second or, or even tertiary degree, because for some reason they went this route this animal science or this zoology degree thing, yes. and I, I I wonder actually whether you you've you've actually hit on something there. And that the the real question is is so your first degree was in zoology, why was that, and why wasn't it veterinary medicine? And I bet you you've just answered that question because yes. because a university has gone well. We don't want you to do veterinary science, but if you go off and prove that you can do zoology, then we might give you a year's grace and you can do your veterinary degree in four years instead of five. Yeah. That, that, that is literally what I was being told. And I think the difficulty is, is that you always know that veterinary medicine is extremely competitive and everyone has really high aspirations and wants to do something um, that they're very much connected to. And, you know, to do and be part of veterinary medicine at that particular point, you have to be particularly passionate already. Yep. And so yeah. um, the way that I approached it and, and uh, you know, reviewed it initially through the, the, the lens of frustration, but then also through the lens of, of, of what opportunities are available to me. And I just kind of, I just kind of tried to be lateral about it. And I'm very fortunate in that my mom in particular is very much a lateral thinker. And she said to me very directly, you've never done anything in a straight line. You know, getting work experience, being from the inner city Birmingham and not knowing any any vets to be able to access certain, you know, opportunities with regards to, I know someone who does this, I know someone in a vet thing, or, or, or. Um, she was very clear and said, there are lots of different opportunities. And just because this one isn't exactly how you anticipated it doesn't mean there aren't more out there. And so mm-hmm. I basically had a gap year. Um, I had all these lofty dreams of going to the Galapagos and doing all sorts of Darwinian style tests, et cetera, et cetera. I ended up working in Nando's 
Um, and, <laughs> and so to the complete antithesis of what I expected, but it was an opportunity Ooh. for me to uh, make a, a decent amount of money for a laptop and so on. I have a question. I have yes. a question then that, that is directly related to that. Uh, what, what is chicken wing roulette? It is. Um, what I'll what? say as an as an insider, it's a it's a a, a footballer's favourite. Um, effectively, every single one of the flavours is based on two of the chicken wings, and so you've got extra hot and hot and you know mm. uh, uh, oh, mango and lime. So eat your two wings. Oh, but you don't know which ones. And so right. the idea is that whoever, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you just be careful what you choose, basically. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. It, it came up, I was listening to the wireless yesterday as I was driving home and, and they were talking about uh, uh, Nando's chicken wing roulette. I thought, how am I going to find out about that? I'm not going to Google it because it's hang, just pretty good. Well, well, hang, hang on a minute, guys. I want to know whether you still get on with your brother. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have, well, we, we get on, like a house on fire. Absolutely. We, we, brothers have a certain language and, um, I, you know, my, you know, all my family members just think, how are you, what language are you speaking? I know it's English, but I don't know what you're actually saying. So we, <laughs> we are, we are very close, but in a, in, a, in a kind of brotherly way. So it doesn't matter if I've seen him every day for seven days or I see him like once in every two months. We still just have a, a, an affinity that we understand each other very well. So, um, absolutely, it's, it's really and I'm quite lucky in that sense. But so I know I know how hard it can be sometimes for brothers mm. to, to get along into later in life. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he, he hasn't he hasn't decided to love animals and follow no. your footsteps. Well, he's allergic to cats. Um, I can't mention anything related to blood or anything that I've done. Um, my mom is is fifty percent better, but even then, there's a limit. And in 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 the line of work that we we do, we, you know, things can get a little bit gruesome for your average <laughs> layperson, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So yes, I took a, took a gap year, um, worked in Nando's, and effectively time went on like the opportunity for uh Berno and, and came up and it came up by accident really um mm. you know i just i was in this kind of swirl of what's the next step do i reapply and put mm. you know things on a, i'll put things on a back burner i knew that retinal medicine is still the place i wanted to be do i go via the longer route and do by retinal or earth science or zoology or animal behavior whatever it is a friend of mine at my sixth form had mentioned that someone had studied abroad and they were doing dentistry. And uh, ironically, it was in Berno. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, all the same qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. And it turns out that it was. And so I thought, you know, maybe there's an idea here with regards to veterinary medicine. And so I looked into it, you know, very transiently and didn't pay much attention initially. And then I brought it up over dinner um, with my mom. And she said, no, you should actually, you know, review this a bit more, more diligently. And so I did. And we kind of did it together. And, and as time went on, ironically, it sounded much more in line with the types of things I wanted from a uni experience. And, I, and at the same time, on the BBC, there was a little uh, mini documentary about the influx of, you know, British students studying abroad for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Um, and so it, things just started to click. And so once I realised that the qualifications were the same, I actually started to look into different universities in Europe. And 
Bernard actually was was very well known for being very solid small animal clinic, um, but also having a fantastic exotics clinic attached to it as well. And so eventually the opportunity came up to to apply and I just thought you know what there's no harm in applying and see where you go from in, in that particular process and you know one thing led to another and, and then and then you know very very quickly within a very short period you know three months to be honest with you I went from applying um, and passing the entrance test I was very lucky to, to, to pass and, and the opportunity was sitting there and so I came to this point, well, do I do zoology for three years and then mm-hmm. go at this with a very high chance of getting in uh, later in life? Or do I go the unbeaten route and live in, you know, the, the central Europe, you know, yeah. be an hour and a half away from Vienna, two hours away from Prague and, you know, live in a city. And it's the, the weather is generally a lot better. and The living costs are cheaper. The actual course, ironically, was more expensive, but when you added living costs, it was pretty much about the same. Yeah, it all sounds horrible, doesn't it? Gosh. It does. Yeah. <laughs> you, all, all the noise coming from Vienna, and then, gosh, yeah. I've, yeah. I, listen, I, I've, I've got the utmost respect, because I went from Birmingham to Sheffield, and I was homesick for the first six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, if, I'm, if I put my hand on my heart, I, I was not ready. Mm. And you went from Birmingham to the Czech Republic. Yeah. That's a gutsy thing. <laughs> it, it's, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. A lot of them don't even speak English, do they? No, well, no. And that's the yeah. thing. It's, it's The university was going to be taught in English. Um, they, mm. they just have two separate courses. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was going to be a, a culture change. You know, just... It's always funny. I always leave with this. It's probably not the best thing to do because the Czechs that I do know, still, still some, some of my best friends, always find it really frustrating. But Czech Republic, five years ago, was the second, was quote, the second most xenophobic place in the world after Saudi Arabia. Oh, really? Basically. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I've, I've spoken about this before, you know, uh, to a variety of different friends about my experience there and, the one thing about the Czech Republic and Czechs as a community and as a culture is they're very clear about and blunt about whether they like you or not. Yeah. And ironically, you know, going out there, although it was a little bit of an odd experience, it was very clear. The rules of engagement were very clear. Right. And as long as you operated within those rules of where you felt comfortable, it was really quite a straightforward. It was a, lo- it was a, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, I think the space that I was allowed to have an opportunity to grow as an individual felt a lot more in line, a lot more organic than I probably may have felt in the UK because it was like a, a you know, a single sim situa- situation. Mm-hmm. It was for, for so many of us. And I, I think in hindsight, it actually was the making of me because I very much, I, I moved to a different country. I wasn't at university. I was, you know, I was doing the bills and I was there for most of the year. And, you know, I had to organize flights and I had to organize everything I was in control yeah. of. Mm. And so in that sense, it was just a, a really quite defining period for me. And, um, you know, I, it, it was invaluable. I, I think, the the way that it's structured as well it's very much you do your science for the first three years and then you do your 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 hands-on you know slightly old yeah. school because I, 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 I well that's be, that's how i did it there you oh, go yeah 
And I, I think I think now in the UK we have a lot more of a fluid. You know, it's like we're doing different areas. Is, is it not? Is it not that? I well, the, 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 you're right in some respects. I think the mm. um, the university that changed that mm. um, really, and I, I've got a lot of pride because I used to lecture there, is Nottingham. Yeah, and, yeah. I was there the other day. They were the they were the people that is it eight nine years ago now I think it must they, be it must be yeah. it was uh, Malcolm Cobb really wasn't it I it was it was it was the, Malcolm and Gary England yeah, oh, yeah. and they they started animal handling yeah. week one year one mm. and you know because most of the other colleges I can't speak very much for the RVC because I haven't like lectured there as such but most of the others as you say. Are you sort of three years of science? Yeah, you know, you're doing six months pathology, yeah. and, and all of this stuff. If we even get anywhere near an animal, yes. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> what do you think? You you can't touch that cat yet. I mean, for heaven's sake, you haven't done Krebs cycle. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but with that with that model, Nottingham have have changed the way that things mm. are being done. So one of the big things that Nottingham did <clears throat> right from the get go was a practical yeah. skills laboratory simulated animals, simulated situations, and they can simulate just about anything that's going to happen in a real situation. And uh, one of the one of the, the older, more established universities is just setting up their practical skills lab. So yep. that, that's 2021 for you. So it's taken it's taken a long time. It, it's not changed that much. It's really? not and actually there, there is there is a bit of an argument uh, being all fuddy duddy there is a bit of an argument for for doing the science part. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's enough of an argument. But the one of the um, principals I spoke to uh, years back said actually he would push to have that separation still, so that if people decide to leave at the end of three years, they've essentially got a science degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, so, it's, you know, I, I don't think it's enough of an argument to carry on uh, separating it as strictly as they did. But yeah. it was an argument. Yeah. And it's 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 interesting, you know. Yeah, thank you definitely for sharing because, but it's interesting because uh, I have a, I had a friend who was at University of Nottingham, and so mm-hmm. that comparison of what I thought was quite archaic in certain mm-hmm. ways, you have to learn this and learn this, and if you don't turn up and know this, and you know you are going to fail, and you'll never be a vet. And then and then the kind of more fluid and and holistic you know, approach to mm. vetting medicine and hearing that, um, it was it was quite a, a contrast in that sense. You're absolutely right, you know, I'm, by, all, by all means, you know, that that separation is quite st- still yeah. still there. So, um, yeah. but it, anyway, so I, I, I was, that was my experience in the Czech Republic. Um, and well, I, know, I, I, want, I want to go back to that. Okay. I want to go back so, to that because you, you, said, you said there that it made you. Yes, okay. could have broken you. It could have made you. Mm-hmm. So you're known across social media as Dready Vet. Now you, yeah. you're very you're hiding your dreads tonight a little bit on for the viewers. They're there. Well, <laughs> I, actually, I, I, yeah, I should say actually, we we, we talk of viewers. Most of our uh, audience listeners, listeners, and and they wouldn't know that they're actually obviously both both Mike and I have, have very full and luxurious heads of hair. Um, but um, Fabian beats the crap out of us on that uh, by having the most incredible dreadlocks. Like, I can't see how far down the um, hair goes. Is it down to your waist? Or, uh, there you go. Oh, man. 
Just down to your nipples. Down to the nipple <laughs> region, absolutely. So I can shoot my uh, GQ shoot in the future, it's fine. Okay, so, right, so, so, so we've, we've mentioned elephants. Well, we haven't mentioned elephants. We've mentioned Kenya. But, of yeah. course, the elephants live in Kenya. So let, let's, discuss, let's discuss the dreadlocks in the room, shall we? Just yeah. for a moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So you are in Central, Central Europe yeah. as, on your own admission, and, and I've lectured in, uh, in Prague. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, it, it's quite a place. Yeah. And really, as you quite rightly say, it can be quite xenophobic. So when did the dreadlocks happen? When I was 16. Wow. So I've had long hair since I was 11, basically. Right. Um, and I had a, a hairstyle known, commonly known as cornrows, cornrows until I was 16. Um, and the reason why that, that was really decided is because my mom had decided that you can't have something which is actually as high maintenance as this until you're a little bit more grown. Um, <laughs> In other words, I'm not going to wash your hair for you, darling. Basically. Anymore. <laughs> I'm not maintaining this without you committing to that. Thank you very much. And I'm loving your mum. <laughs> she's great. She, she she features a lot in my stories, if you hadn't already noticed. Um, I th- I think we need her on the show. <laughs> we need her on the show. She, she, she sounds ace. She's, no, she's, she's brilliant. Uh, nothing but the highest regard for a blessing. I want to um, hear about her cooking later. We'll get on to her cooking oh. in a minute. But, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Back, onto yeah. The, back onto the hair thing. Well, so until, so from 16, I've, I've had this hair and it's been very much a part of my identity. But at the same yeah. time, I, I feel like, you know, the idea of dreading vet, which is a whole other thing, which I could also created in, in the Czech Republic was, it's the, it's to kind of highlight that I can also I can be connected to the cultural aspects of where I'm from, but actually it, it doesn't have to be the only thing that I can talk about and celebrate and and highlight. The whole the dreadlocks things is something that people see directly instantly, and for me being from you know Jamaican Cuban backgrounds, it's such an important part to have a connection to my culture, but. I like to I like it as a way for people to see who I am, but when they actually see the type of things I'm involved in, it has absolutely nothing to do with that capacity. And mm. you know, I think one of the most important stories that I have with regards to the quote unquote journey of Dreddy Vet is that it happened and it started after my first year of uni. And I'd spent because I'd spent, as you can imagine, all this time trying to get to be a vet. Mm. I finally got into vet uni and I worked my ass off for a year and at the end of it i realized so, sorry, for, for, for a year for the first year for the first oh, right, year right, I, just, okay, I worked yeah, yeah. i worked the first of six yeah the first of six right and i was lazy after that um <laughs> but I, I worked so incredibly hard because i felt that was what was important and by the end of the year i was exhausted i was i was i was a shell of my own self and I'd just done this exam in, in histology, it's my last exam of the year, and I'd come out with a great grade, um, but I was exhausted. And I went home, I sat in basically my boxes for three days, I ate nothing but Subway, and I just stared into the abyss for three days. And I thought to myself, there's got to be more to this process than just being good at passing things. Mm. And and mm. I, I said very clearly to myself, no one's going to ask me what I got in my histology exam when I recommend that. Absolutely no. 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 And so 
And so a week later, I just thought to myself, I need to do, I need to have something which is bigger than grades. And so I thought maybe, you know, just doing, having a blog for myself because blogs were quite popular at the time. And so I, I, uh, at the time I knew Dreddy Tennis, who's a very famous tennis player. Um, and I just thought he's someone who has this image um, and he's got a Jamaican background, he's German, but he's a great tennis player and his dreadlocks aren't the thing that define him. And I like that, that framework. And so I just thought, well, Dreddy Vet, you know, it works. It's kind of similar, similar situation. And mm-hmm. It just grew from there. I started writing opinion pieces, did a little video here. I, you know, commented on certain things. I talked about cases. Anything at the time that felt like I wanted to do a little bit more uh, with, but I didn't really have an identity within that about what I was going to develop that into. I just, it was just whatever felt right. And whatever felt right was a really nice outlet for me to remind myself about why I was doing great inventing in the first place. And that was mm-hmm. to, to be part of a community and to comment on things and bring in other parts of who I was like, outside of my ability, again, to just pass the pass exams. And so it felt very natural and it felt very positive. And it was, it was something that, that just continued to grow. And I was very inconsistent. And that's the thing. People ask me, oh, I, do I need to write an article every week? No, I didn't write articles for five months at a time. But if I was connected to it and I was compelled to write something or, you know, comment on something, I would. Mm. And so whilst I was doing my degree, I was doing the Dreddy Vet thing. And I think in fourth or fifth year, I went to India to do um, with WVS, actually wearing that hoodie right now. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the World Veterinary Service. WBS. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, excellent. Brilliant. And so I went to an animal birth control clinic, basically a surgical course of two weeks, because there was not much out there which was independent of their website about the course. So I thought I would independently create some content. And I informed them about it, and they were really on board. And they said, "Yeah, it's fine." Blah, blah, blah. It was that was I think that particular point I realised that talking in front of a camera and presenting things really started to to take another gear because i i, I enjoyed doing it i enjoyed mm. showing what it was like from, and i still get people today asking me i seen you did this course and it was what, what five years ago and so i saw your videos it was really helpful can you tell me about the course and i said well it was five six years ago now I'm not really up to date with it but it was it was it was a really nice opportunity for me to do something a little bit different create some media some content and so the Dreddy Vet thing started to continue to grow. And then by the my final year, I was doing a clinical pathology rotation. And I got asked by Vets Now to go and do some media work for their Congress. So they said, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll give you a free ticket and da da da. Um, we'll give you, all, and, you know, we, we, if you create some media for us, we'll basically just we'll give you, you know, a nice meal and we'll give you a place to stay. And, and so at that point, that was like the first real reminder that actually there were some nice kickbacks and, as a result of that. And there was something about free drinks on your yes. blog, I seem to remember. That, yeah, yeah. Yes, there were, there were a lot of free <laughs> drinks. And uh, I, I was very keen to partake um, in, in the, the relevant festivities because obviously we go to those places to... Uh, Rude not to. Rude absolutely, not to. absolutely. The red wine was was, was very free, put it that way. Um, but... Uh, it, 
it, it, it, that's when I started to think of it differently because it's always just been a little bit of a, a, a space, an outlet for me. And then it started to become a little bit more real. Um, so did that and, then lead on to CBeebies? To an extent, yes. I think by the time that happened, I'd already ruffled enough feathers because I've written some, obviously some opinion pieces that some people didn't feel comfortable with, some about religious slaughter. You know, I, was, I wasn't ever scared to dip my proverbial fingers into the the the, the, the the honey pot of, of 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 the directly community and some of the more colourful topics that were going around. So finished uni and pretty much straight out, there were people asking me, you know, by people I mean producers asking about you know who I was. They wanted to get a little bit of an idea about where I was as a vet. And at the time I could only say, well I have not graduated or I'm you know mucked out or and so um, a lot of the interest uh, simmered down for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do in your first first month is be asked to be on any type of TV show or anything. The last thing you want to be able to be a vet because you're not really a vet in that sense. But with regards to the uh, the pets factor, within a year, I basically got an email from the producers and they just said, you know, like we, we're, we're producing a show, we're looking for a new vet. And you've been highlighted as someone who has that that personality that that might be useful for this particular show. Mm-hmm. And we understand that you're interested in exotics, and um, you know that's that may be a line that we're looking for. And so we just had very small conversations for a period of about four or five months. You know, availability, and I spoke to the clinic. Luckily, I'm in an independent clinic, so they're, they're a lot more flexible, generally speaking, than I than a couple of the clinics possibly. Um, and uh, we can say it, we can say it's not a naughty word, we can say, you know, we can easily, you know, there's, there's no, no problem saying practice. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, You've got a fudgery yeah. guard in the back there, have you? Corporate, <laughs> 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 corporate. And um, it just grew from there. So five months down the line, they said, well, you know, let's, let's, let's get a cameraman down to you, um, record you know, a couple of hours with you and we'll see how we we'll see how we get on. And the highlight was we had these three um, young kids with their three rabbits come in and extremely brummy, extremely brummy, extremely brummy. <laughs> Are we going to be on TV? Are we going to be on TV? Oh, so this one's Dave and this one's Jessica. You know, so it was like that whole, the whole brumminess came out and they love that regional aspect. They love the regional aspects on TV. You know, it's, you know, it's, mm. we're, we're, especially in the BBC, it's like, yeah, we're, oh, it's, we're so much, it's so much a part of the people, isn't it? Though? It is. It's, it's so, 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 so much, oh, so much about them. sharing the rest of the country. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> right, now then. Now then. Yes. So, what, what's your excuse then, Fabian? For... Because, well, you, you're talking about cultural links and cultural roots yeah. and speaking in your best BBC accent. Because we'll see pronunciation. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, like I know, I know, I know that, yeah, I don't talk like that all the time. No. But you have got a different... Yeah, where's, thing, where's, you know, where's, where's the accent gone? The, the thing is, Mike, you know yeah. what it is, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, I was born and raised in Birmingham. Yeah, um, right. But uh, I also had a mom who uh, told me that um, there are certain ways that you can, you know, speak. And also one of the uh, 
main things is that when I went abroad, no one understood me. Um, <laughs> most of my colleagues were not from the UK. They were Danish <laughs> and they were Swedish. They were Israeli. They were French. They were German. Yeah. When I used to crack out or get, when I get tired, I'm at the blues. Um, Birmingham that's, City. That's- yeah, that's, that's a that's a that's a minor that's a minor football team in Birmingham. Yeah, that's that's, that's association football, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know when I'm in certain places or around or, or get drunk, yeah. any of those three, yeah, yeah, I become very brummy. But yeah, being six years around people that all English is their second or third language, mm-hmm. and ironically. They all understand each other in their weird third, second language. And here I am as the English person who sounds like the odd one out. So I, I really had to neutralize <laughs> it so much. And I, I come from a relatively RP family anyway. So um, it's kind of just stuck. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it, is, it is something. But we had those, we had those three kids come in and uh, the cameraman was so happy with the result. <laughs> he just he actually said to me i haven't set this off but i think you're gonna get it mate um and i, I said oh, at the time i was just very i was trying to be modest as possible like really or he just said no he said this was this was gold he just <laughs> the only frustration is that I had the wrong lens so we can't actually use this so somewhere in the oh. archives is this unseen footage of this these these these, these three very brummy kids and that was it. That was kind of that was that was how that all started, and, and the rest is is proverbially history. And you enjoy it, clearly. Love, silly loved it. Yeah. Loved it. It was um, they all the other practices are small animal clinics, and I was dealing with exotics mm-hmm. and such a high amount. Now finding exotics in the clinics was like, oh my wow, we're getting a rabbit. Oh, <laughs> we're getting a bird. And for me, it's like tortoise, rat, gerbil. Guinea pig, macaw, macaw, dog, rat, you know, yeah. big dragon. You know, for me, it's very, it's, 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 an, it's another day. And so the first two weeks, I had to remind them that there's another eight weeks of filming because they don't have to film absolutely everything. And when you film absolutely everything, it's, you have to fill the entrance to the room and you have to record it from another angle and then you have mm. to go through it and then they get, and you have to prepare you prepare the words in layman terms. And despite the fact that they have this idea that they're going to just melt into the background and they're not there, it doesn't mm. translate like that. Actually, it's like, could you say that again? Please, <laughs> could you? Um, yeah. what, did, what what would a kid say to this? Um, so that that whole that whole uh, uh, moment was was quite a lot the first two weeks, but I loved it. It was great. Absolutely great. Ironically, the end of the, the filming ended up being the start of the COVID. So we just finished filming. Oh, shame, shame. I was I was filmed once there were a couple of times actually consulting and things. And um, I do a lot of acting, and so I thought it'd be easy. No problem at all. You know, I just my usual voice, my usual patter, be great. And uh, the cameraman came in and said, You're going to sit up here, that's fine. That's fine, great. And so we, you know, we wanted to call the, the client in and we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we've already spoken to, to the client. She's prepared and then she's going to come in. You're going to chat and just talk about the pet and do the consultation. I said, yeah, yeah, fine. They said, okay, rolling. Hello, Mrs. Smith. How uh, are you today? Cut. Yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah. What happened? I said, 
what do you mean what happened it was fine no no you were really awkward i don't think i was and they had to do about five takes before i suddenly thought what, what am i doing and realized that actually that's what i was doing i was i was sort of acting to the to the camera and i thought i guess i can pretend yeah. it's not there and and after about 10 minutes you do forget it's there don't you 100 percent. finding your your thing your essence is actually a, it takes time to grow and you know, initially I was very, I treated it like I treated my job. And actually I had mm. to remember that I was presenting it to kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you've got to move. You've got to move around more. And we, we don't tend to move much. So we, we, we talk, we're in a clear, we, yes, I see, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm erudite. Yes. Yeah. It was a huge amount, a huge amount of, 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 of that work. But, you know, it was it was a wonderful experience, and I think by you know the, the third week of them filming, I, I fell into it a lot more, and I realised what I was was having to do. But to be fair, it, you know, the first day, I had so many emergencies, and I was sole charge, and I think I had so many animals try to to die on me that mm. day, and then had this giant camera in my face. Um, <laughs> I just remember yeah. one point saying. I, remember, I don't know what I said. There was a dog. Bless it. I had like a serious heart failure, like really like refractory heart failure. And I, I, I had to turn around to camera and say, I, I need to focus on this. Like, you need to not feel me. What's refractory heart failure for a kid? I mean, like, come on, give yeah. me a break. You, we can't, we can't do this. So have you, have you got, uh, have you got a right of please don't film this? You know, can yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think I think so early as well. Mm. I think again, like it, for them, it was like stimulation overload with my practice because it was just so much happens which I take for granted, I guess, mm-hmm. um, for the variety. So for them, you know, the the first day we had a, a dog that had eaten chocolate. They never had one on the show, and so they recorded that. Mm. And then I've had this heart failure dog, this boxer, and then I've had a macaw that had collapsed. And this was literally the first day they did filming. So for them, it was just, it was gold dust. But for me, I just thought, actually, I need you to, to chill out. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Uh, it's yeah. it's a, a tricky balance for all concerned, isn't it? It is. It, of course, because ultimately, as much as someone says to you, and they always say this, we don't, we're just fly, flies on the wall. We want you to be yeah. natural. Actually, no, it's a TV show. They still need what they need. Um, and they need you to record every single angle four or five times. Um, and they need you to rephrase what you just wrote and not cut corners because it's going to be on TV. So all those things kind of came together. Yeah. But but that whole experience was incredible. It was really nice entrance into TV world and media world in a bigger way that I never thought was possible when I was mm. tapping away, you know, arguing with people in the BVA about religious slaughter or, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> You you have opened up so many questions here that I just I just want to dive into. Yeah, you know, I mean the, the religious slaughter is 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 a cracking one. Yeah, I'm, I'm mindful that we we generally limit our, our shows to about an hour. Yeah. We, oh. we, we might we might have to have you back for a second time. But I think um, I think we we might have to. Almost certainly, almost certainly. Yeah. yeah, so many so many great. We haven't even touched on your mum's cooking yet. No, so, I know. Um, where do we go next? Really, mum's cooking. Mum's cooking. Mum's cooking. Mom's cooking. Go on. Yeah. Uh, okay. So favorite I'll be, dish. I'll be. I'll be very. My background is Jamaican, Cuban, Indian. Right. Right. 
And the Jamaican Cuban Indian all come from my mom's side, right? Right. And so and, and I picked up on that, which is why I'm desperate to know about your mum's cooking, because I, my favorite foods are Jamaican <laughs> and Indian. I don't I don't do a lot of Cuban cooking, although I do cut a lot of the stuff into cubes, so I guess. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count, Julian. Doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> Hey, out of the three, out of Jamaican, Cuban, and Indian, Cuban is the probably the most underwhelming of of the three culinary uh, parts of my life, shall we say? So, mm-hmm. um, don't worry about that side too much. Because we'll move away from that a little bit. Um, sure, still sure. great food, but just not quite on the same level as Jamaican and Indian. But no, nice cigars. My mom yeah. has great cigars, great beaches, great island. But um, I would say that. My mom has found a really nice balance between the two. And it's interesting that her, you know, some, some of the classic foods, you know, I don't eat meat. But when I used to eat meat, you know, some of the balances are actually like they were very much the curries and the creaminess and the seasoning of, of Indian food matched with the, 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 the kind of collection of what makes Jamaican food so amazing. So mm. your oxtail and your curry goat. And your, you know, ackee and saltfish, and your callaloo, and you know, maybe your twin yeah. doubles, and she just, she's you, just, yeah, you have to stop for a because my mouth is watering. I have to wipe it. I was so blessed with the types of food, so it was effectively largely Jamaican food, but with the Indian elements, the seasoning elements, and it's just, and and it's always a little bit cliche and nostalgia, but my mom's food is incredible, absolutely incredible, and it's. With being Jamaican, the connection to food is such a big part of our culture mm-hmm. as well. Yep. But ironically, what I will cook personally for myself more than anything is Indian food. Um, okay. And it's mm. so, you know, I, I, and I think an element of that is because of the, the meat element. So a lot of chickpeas, a lot of lentils, mm. um, you know, a lot of potato curries, a lot of cauliflower curries, um, a lot of, of, you know, so much of that transfers to my daily consumption of food you got my email address <laughs> i want i want your mum to send me food, food. Just, just, yeah weekly is but, that all right just one meal a week's fine if you can do fine. one one a day is great one a week. yeah yeah we're, we're in love with, we're in love with your mum we, we, yeah literally. <laughs> absolutely yeah. literally Sorry. Yeah. I, I love food i mean yeah you can't, you can't tell. I'm sitting now. I can't stand these days because I eat so much food. But, uh, <laughs> um, but most, most of it, my, my favourite foods are mm. from from the, uh, the the Asian and West Indian yeah. uh, sides of uh, of the globe. Yeah. So listen, I've, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Right. If you were going to write a, well, it wouldn't be a letter, would it? We're we're, we're in the 20, 2021s now. So what's that? If you're going to WhatsApp your younger self. Mm-hmm. With some advice, mm-hmm. what would that advice be? Looking at your journey, and you can't say listen to your mum. Yeah, that, that would be because <laughs> your mum, yeah. your mum's obviously been a really positive, powerful influence in your mm-hmm. life. From what you've yeah. told us, I think it would be see every closed door as an opportunity. Okay, and I think. What takes a very hard is something that was very difficult was not the idea of failure, but the 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 feeling that 
certain things that I'd work so hard for on a regular basis were in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think there's such a lovely reminder to myself at so many different levels that just at the point when I thought something was taken away from me, I wasn't going to have the opportunity to do it. I I found a new will, whether it was with someone else or by myself, to to find something out that that in retrospect probably was a better opportunity. Um, right. And I'm very much keen to to because of those situations to approach things with a certain degree of curiosity. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be contingent on the result, but the the desire to to have a go is is so important. So you know, yep. You know, closed doors are an opportunity would be probably what I would tell my younger self. That's that's nice. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. And actually, really I, nice. I, I know that you are into into a stupid word, isn't it? You 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 have a, a keen interest in philosophy. One hundred percent. It's it started with my brother. He went to um, he went to Oxford to do philosophy, ironically. But my brother's approach to philosophy is. Is very. It's not. It's, it's much more academic than mine. It's helped me so much into put into context what's not necessarily important, but how many different angles and views we have available to us about the mm. very same things. And there's, you know, there's never two sides of a coin. There's, 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 there's billions. You know, the, the things that have always been important to me beyond my initial foray into uh, philosophy was was the kind of bigger questions and especially issues around ethics and who we are as people in society. But also beyond that, the more existential questions about what is the world around us and how we, you know, decide what's important for us as, as individuals. So from, you know, authors such as Aurelius and Marcus Aurelius and Seneca, you know, the ideas around Stoicism really resonated with me, to be honest with you. Um, and the ideas of taking away the value of material things and reminding yourselves about being that bee within the, 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 the hive and that, you know, your, your, your direction as an individual is a much, much bigger than, than you know, what we see as individuals. Mm. And, you know, so much about today's society is about being a individual first you know i have my right to you know not do this and i have my right not to do, even if it doesn't make any sense but you're very and, special you know, um, yes you're very exactly. special I'm all, yeah. my opinions always matters even if it's yeah, yeah, not yeah, grounded yeah. anything yeah yeah i know um, that's why you're on the I, show carry on and I, I, I always refer to the monty python we are all individuals i'm not <laughs> literally literally like literally and i I really, that was important for me um, because it helped me characterize, you know, the importance. And I think there's just, just the importance of just being part of something bigger. Um, and then it developed into, you know, other writers. So Kierkegaard was someone who was very important to me um, because he was quite a sad character. And I think one of the things that I realized very early on is that one of the best ways to see the value of life is to be able to be ready to explore some of the, the opposite sides. And you only start to really value 
you know, how great life is, is when you've been through a period of, of sorrow or a period of frustration. Mm. And then when you do arrive at that really positive moment, you go, oh, okay, I value this in a whole, a wholly different way than I ever did before. And so again, those particular philosophers were very, very important to the types of readings that I wanted to do. And um, wasn't it, wasn't it Kierkegaard who said it was something like, um, you can only understand life backwards, but you have to live it forwards. Yes, yes, very possibly, very possibly. It may, well, I don't know off the top of my head, was it nature? Probably not, it's too bright for nature to be we, honest with we you. Could, we could get into photography here, and we haven't, yes. we really haven't got time here. I mean, <laughs> let's wrap up on the philosophy. Oh, oh man, we could talk for hours. Yeah, could be good. Have you come across that little 60-second CPD? Yes. I'm you have with that. No, no. To our listeners, Fabian suddenly looked the saddest he looked for the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have indeed. <laughs> could, could we could we wheel you into doing something? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Fabian Rivers, Dready Vet, sixty second CPD on preparing for university, starting now. One of the biggest challenges as an undergrad and being at university is the idea of perfectionism and the idea of having to get things right the first time and that transition from always getting A's and being a high attaining student and not being able to to follow that line into to university as, as a undergrad is so difficult and what I want people to understand and realize on a regular basis is that the greatness of our lives is in the past. It's not the expectation of the future, but it's on the past. And the reason why that is, is because it's a reminder of our greatest moments, the time we've overcome so many problems. And it galvanizes, galvanizes us for the future. And I think it's so, so important that we remind ourselves and celebrate our wins on a regular basis to remind ourselves why we got there and who we are as people. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's that's powerful stuff. Amazing. That's that's very, very powerful. Um and you know, a bit of mindfulness creeping in there. Yeah. Um we we've we've touched on this subject and more than touched on this subject with with other guests. Um the 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 veterinary profession is a is a very stressful profession. We 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 sadly have a very, very high degree of of uh, uh, or incidents of, of depression and, and, and suicide within the profession, uh, which uh, I, I don't want to go into again because I think we, we, we've gone into that. We don't want to yeah. bring the mood down. However, it's there. It's real. Mm-hmm. And actually allowing ourselves wins, allowing ourselves victories over over small things isn't bad. And anyone who's listening can do that. So actually, you know, getting that parking space outside the shops, actually getting that, 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 that um, uh, I don't know, smoked mackerel pate when it's on special. Okay. Whatever it is, whatever little wins you have in life. I only said that because I managed that today. So really <laughs> um, but, you know, getting those little wins in life and acknowledging that actually some of those wins you got because you put the work in to get them. Smoke mackerel patty, not a good example of that. I'll, I'll ignore that in the in the final cut. But 
we we live life through a selection of hard work and luck um or just luck and coasting which some people seem to do but you know most of us hard work and luck and why should we deny ourselves the pat on the back for a job well done yeah i i, I just think there's so much value in the things that we've overcome and we're so much about our society and individuals is always contingent on the future. I can do this when I do that. Mm-hmm. I will be this when I have that. When I get this, this will be okay. And I, I just, I, I've, I've turned away entirely from that and decided that it's so important that everything that I do from now on is a bonus. And that when you are open to opportunity, whatever it may look like, then, you know, it gives, it gives you options. But, you know, we're, so much of, of, of society tells us that we need to do this to be valued. And that I, I think mm. so many of the new grads that I do meet and have talked to just feel the pressure of having to be, to pass this. And, you know, the idea of repeating a year is, is the greatest sin. And, you know, actually you're at university to learn and you're at university to develop as a person. And if it takes you seven years to do that, then what's what's the problem with that? You know, and yeah. uh, you know, so so much of that is mm. is is just it's just so important. I think you're absolutely right, and and and, and I, I'm going to I'm going to bring Kierkegaard back into uh, the subject <laughs> yeah. here because because while you were talking, I was googling him because I knew there was something <laughs> there was something related to that, and and um, and, and I think this is relevant here. Mm. Uh, one of the one of the things one of the many many things he said that, that made some sort of sense. A lot of it was crap, but some of the things he said made some sense was face the facts of being what you are, for that is what changes what you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, don't don't hide it. Don't think, well, let's gloss over mistakes I've made or problems of of my own character or or whatever. Actually, face them full on and, and embrace them. Then... Yeah, we can use those to, to redefine ourselves, can't we? Yeah. It's it's it yeah, it's 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 this is why I read philosophy, to be honest with you. You know, mm. it's just it's just it's just a fantastic opportunity to re- to review things. And not a, a lot of it is 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 absolutely rubbish, to be honest with you. Like you said, it's yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. Um and but the point is, is that you, you get the opportunity to review that and actually decide whether you think it's cosmolic or not. So, it, it, yeah, there's it, just, it's right. just, yeah, there's there's some th- out I th- there. I think we can edit the word codswallop. You know, if we're <laughs> going to get that abuse. Of, <laughs> is, 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 uh, it's a bit rude. Are we going to lower the tone to that, man? It, you, you actually, you both there with with your anecdotes there remind me of my bicycle racing days, and yeah. one of the things that we you're faced with a big hill, and you attack that hill and you go up that hill and you're riding and you're riding and you're riding and the hill is still going on. And you can see that it's going on and on. And you reach that moment where you still want to give up. And the thing to do is to look back down that hill and see what it is that you faced, what it is that you've achieved. And suddenly the summit is not that far away. And if you've achieved all of that back there, that's brought you to this point, just dig in a little bit deeper, persevere, and you will make it to the top. Yeah, and yeah. We, yeah. it's been used on me to devastating effect, and and I've used that with with other other races. 
you know, just to keep them going, mm. keep guiding them. But it's, it's a literal, literal translation of pretty much of what you're saying, as I understand it. Yeah, and, you know, another way of looking at it, and I, I say this to to my assistants, you get the day from hell, don't you? You get you, you're dealing with a with a pio, and then a cesarean comes in, and and then Mrs. Jones is on the phone saying that her budgie's got breathing difficulties. And then you're just about to do that. And then, oh, by the way, um, John's setting up a, a split pad from uh, from the branch surgery. And I say to my assistants, do you know, I've never had a day yet that didn't end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could arrange that. <laughs> There'll be one one day, but there hasn't been yet. Hasn't no, yet. Exactly. The thing about philosophy, and, and you, you you touch on the subject, is that it, it, it's reflective. And actually, we need to do that for our CPD, don't we? We need to reflect on CPD, which, which I think I think brings us nicely to the fact that that your amazing sixty second CPD is is worthy of a certificate. I have one here. Oh, you've got the certificate. Brilliant, Julian. Let's have a look so, at tonight's CPD certificate. So, so here we go. No, here we, and I apologise, any any cultural appropriation is not intended, other than the fact that, 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 that it is totally intended. So here we go, I've got, I've got Certificate oh. of Dreadfulness. And this certifies that we have rocked our way down to Electric Avenue, and then we took it higher. And it says, highly sassy, that's us. <laughs> that is brilliant. Thank you, guys. Julian and Mike, it says, and normally it says me and him, it says I and I and he and he. (laughs) Thank you, guys, for this certificate. I really do appreciate it. It's awesome. You've you've deserved it. Absolutely. Fabian, I can't can't express in in mere words what what a joy you brought to tonight and and how amazing it's been meeting you. Absolutely. Mike, Mike can say the same thing. Totally. I know. Thank you, guys. Honestly, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been um, it's nice to have an open chat with other vets and talk about these things. But also, it'd be fun and fluid and and fluent. And it's just been all of those things. It's been my pleasure, really. Thank you. Well, you you've you've brought that to the to, to today's recording, and we we thank you very much indeed for that, Fabian. And a quick note to our listeners: you know, if you if you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. And you catch us on all of the all of the channels. So click subscribe, like, get in touch with us. And uh, if there's anything you want us to cover, let us know, and we'll do our best to uh, to cover something that's uh, that's a hot topic for you. So uh, no, absolutely brilliant. So all it leaves for us to do, I think, is to say, Mr. Dreddy Vet or Doctor Dreddy Vet, thank mm-hmm. you very very much indeed for sharing. Some of your story. I want to hear some of the rest of the story. I don't we want to have you on again. We do need to have you on again. We need yeah. to have you on again. But in the meantime, may your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Mm.